The great Sarah McLaughlin once said, you're building a mystery. And uh, as one of the greatest songs in the history of Earth tells us, building a mystery... I couldn't even do that with a straight face if I tried. Yeah, Taylor uh, Swift didn't write that. <laughs> 13 right seconds into this pod. 13 seconds <laughs> right into this pod. But uh, building a mystery is important. Uh, or... or Actually, reverse engineering that, just leaving things a mystery is very important sometimes. But we're going to talk about that later in the show on our main discussion, the importance of mystery in Star Wars. Um, so James and I, I'm John, we're here to talk to you Hi. about Star Wars. We have some cool topics we're going to get into today. Uh, Lacey will be back with us on TRB Live on Thursday. Follow her at Lacey Gillerin. Uh, you know the deal by now. Uh, and for us, make sure with the podcast you're... Uh, subscribe to whether that's an audio platform, you know, Spotify, Apple. Uh, if it happens to have a rating system and you haven't done that yet, it's right there on your app. Just find it and rate us five stars. Leave a review if you can. Uh, that helps us show up in searches. And it really only takes you a few seconds. But make sure you are subscribed because we get you two episodes every single week. And of course, our YouTube channel. So if you're watching this, hello, youtube.com slash at the resistance broadcast subscribe to the channel and however you take in trb if you have friends who like star wars let them know about us because we like to think we're a good time right james i like to think that we're a good time i like to think <laughs> we are uh so spread the word the more the merrier and uh let's have a good time uh and last but not least if you like what we do with the podcast and you want to support what we do and in addition to that get bonus access to uh, exclusive episodes. We do a lot of bonus episodes and a lot of other things on our Patreon. So head to p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the resistance broadcast. Patreon.com slash the resistance broadcast. And join us. Tiers start at just five bucks. Uh, as you climb the tiers, there's more perks, rewards, content. But mm -hmm. you get access to all of our mini episodes right out of the gate. You can submit topics to our next segment, which James is going to kick off for us in just a moment. So if you're able to, I know it's tough times. If you can't, don't worry about it. But if you're able to and you've been thinking about it, it's always a good time to sign up and hang with us on our Patreon as well. And we appreciate all the support, of course. Um, James, we have some cool topics to try to do our best to answer in our first segment of the day. So why don't you take it away? I fear nothing for all this as the force wills it. We use this segment to pitch questions and do our best to guess whether something will or will not happen in Star Wars. In addition to the questions that we pitch, if you are a TRB patron, you can submit your questions, as John was just talking about, to be part of the show. And we'll use those two. That's why we're going to kick it off with one of our patron questions right from the get-go. It's Will the Force. Let's go. Woo! Uh... <laughs> banned in John's house. Let's go! Oh, yeah. No, just being with me. I don't know. Bennett does it all the time. Rachel doesn't like it, but I inevitably end up saying it too. Because uh, usually there's a an F in between that for a lot of people too. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. We watch it. We Bennett watches a lot of YouTube, like gamer YouTubes and stuff, so they're like playing... Among Us or Mario or oh, something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, the, and then the, like, they get, anytime Bennett ever gets like something, like he hits the ball and it goes in or something, he's like, let's go! <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, I think it's very, um, what, what's a uh, dude perfect? Hmm. I think they're probably like one of the yeah. leaders of that phrasing. Anyway, Will of the Force. This one's coming from one of our patrons, specifically General Matt Chitty. Matt, thanks for submitting what a up, question. Matt? You're on the show today. Uh, the question Matt sent us will was, <laughs> will Skeleton Crew build on Ahsoka's multiple galaxies? Will we see more planets and locations in the second galaxy that's introduced or was introduced in Ahsoka? John, you want to go first on this one? Um, sure. I do not think Skeleton Crew will venture into that second galaxy. I think for whatever reason right now, that is strictly being utilized for the story that Ahsoka is weaving. Uh, clearly with whatever this Mortis stuff is. Um, so I 
while I th- I know because they said it that Skeleton Crew will tie into you know Ahsoka, the Mandoverse, all that stuff. I don't think they're gonna go into that galaxy the way Ahsoka is, and it seems like for the most part, most of the characters are coming back to the known galaxy anyway. So I'm gonna say no. I don't think so. Not Skeleton Crew. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you, but I might even double down on you and think that Ahsoka is the only show that's going to utilize that second galaxy. So no, like ever in the history, no movie or anything is going to hop over? No, because I feel like the crossover was was already Rebels. Like they already sort of signified that he went off to some crazy place. And now we didn't know it at the time, but now we can associate that Rebels had a scene at the end where they got sent off to that faraway galaxy. And then we finish that up by going to that faraway galaxy and bringing them home. It's not just Ezra, but it's going to be, you know, Sabine and Ahsoka, and they're going to do it in that show. But I really don't know that this show has too much more to tell in that world over there. And I feel like it was only a storytelling device for that. You know, we need a place that somebody is at that's so far away. You can't just go there. You can't just travel there with light speed, you know? Yeah, and they don't have to... Like the known galaxy, really from a creative standpoint, because it is made up, is limitless. They can make that galaxy as big as they want. They can introduce new all planets there. Um, but yeah, Skeleton Crew, I think, sticking around in the known galaxy. And we're still at the point too, where like they, you know, they've erased the the um, legend stuff, or that you know what I mean. That's it's not even part of the world. They could give us a brand new planet that's been next door neighbors to. Coruscant for a billion years and it's rich in stories and we've just never encountered it. Yeah, Borisant. More like Borisant. The entire planet has no cities. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. We did just see that. <laughs> yeah, that, right. dude, that's it. We'll rename what is it? Petronia? What is it called again? Uh, I was going to say it and then I couldn't think of the name. Um, Passan- it's not Pasana. No, Pasana's Rise of Skywalker. There's yeah. some some nerd very mad at us right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, uh, road to... Uh, or, uh, Peridia. Road Peridia. That's right. Yeah, so let's rename Peridia Borisant. <laughs> <laughs> Borisant. <laughs> oh, All God. Right. All right. Um, okay, cool. Next one. that's it next one all right we're gonna ask the question will star wars movies have a different composer for each film or will lucasfilm find a new mainstay here is my comparison to this uh uh the harry potter movies had a different director for every one of the movies leading up to when they finally got the one director that they're like this person gets it. And so like five, six, seven, and eight were all the same director. John is, <laughs> you now officially have to watch the show. What just happened? You know, because you updated to the latest uh, Apple software. So whenever you use hand gestures, like thumbs up or whatever, it will, it will make, it will make things happen in your video. So my video just had balloons popping up. <laughs> yeah. It was my birthday uh, last week, but it didn't yeah, have to do, start working. Do two thumbs up. Do two thumbs up. No, no, no. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm on. Now I'm on Coruscant. We were yeah, exactly. Coruscant there you go. Yeah. So our audio listeners are like, I don't care about that. Um, but uh, all right, let's let's roll on. um (laughs) so you're gonna take this one yeah i so the harry potter movies had different directors all the way up to a certain point and then they were like oh we think we found the right one he gets the tone the first two i think though oh yeah that's fair yeah yeah yeah. but um (laughs) but i think then you know five six seven and eight and then the fantastic beast movies all had the same director so it's like that that idea makes me wonder if they they've kind of been kicking around a couple different people to do star wars will they eventually get to that mainstay that's what raises the question for me but the answer has got to be no because your mainstay was already john williams john williams set the tone and said this is star wars music and then from then on he's everybody else can play in the sandbox 
there's nobody that's going to come along and be like, this is, this is the way Star Wars music is, is meant to be done. You know what I mean? We finally figured it out like they did with the Harry Potter stuff. We finally got the right person. Uh, you know, I think that it's already been discovered what Star Wars is and uh, everybody's just getting their shot to see how close they can get to that bullseye, in my opinion. Um, you can do your own thing, but at the same time, like you're either going to be drastically different and try something new, but that's never going to be the mainstay, or you're going to try to get close to John Williams by adding your own spin to it or whatever. I, I feel like... Um, um, I'm so bad with names. Um, Jakino? No, no, no. Uh, the um, John uh, Powell? Ahsoka. Oh, Kiner. Kiner. Yeah, Kevin Kiner has technically done more music than John Williams at this point, more Star Wars music than John Williams at this point. But hearing Ahsoka, I feel like that is, it was like a refreshing thing to come back to. Lacey said this too. It's refreshing to come back to Star Wars music and he gets really dang close to that John Williams vibe. What are your thoughts, Sean? Um, I think the way the industry is today, people don't have that sort of brand loyalty uh, the way they used to. Um where there were a lot of players that were the same. So like with Star Wars, you know, George Lucas is always there that back then. And so was John Williams. And they were just like, those are the mainstays, you know? Um, I don't think it's that way anymore. Um, I 100% know for a fact that all Star Wars movies will have the, tr the traditional classical score to it. Um, I mean, one, because I think they'd be crazy not to, but two, because we already had Kathleen Kennedy confirming the crawls are coming back, which means the main theme's coming back. That's going to parlay, you know, the, the tail end of that crawl is going to have the flute going into the next, you know, whatever classical theme we're going to get. But I think it will be different people with the understanding of you're doing a score for a Star Wars movie. This is what we're looking for. It has to be in this in this park, in this ballpark, uh, so it can't get to, uh, branch out too far. So I think I think one thing that will stay traditional for Star Wars movies is a classical score. I thought John Powell did a fantastic job, a great job, uh, and I thought Giacchino also did a tremendous job. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm comfortable with that. Um, and you know, John Williams is retired from that. He, I believe, he said Indiana Jones. And the Dial of Destiny was his final film. Uh, and he also said episode nine was his final Star Wars movie. And he's in his 90s. So it'd be interesting to see who they get. Um, I hope it's not just, let's get Hans Zimmer or something. I don't want anybody to, that has their own unique sound. I want someone who can take their talent and do like what John Powell did and and make it sound like a classic you know, Star Wars score. And the same with Giacchino. Um, so I, I do think it'll be different people. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's, we're going to have a new mainstay. I agree with you. It would be nice one time to do like a, uh, a musical discussion on like, you know, kind of like our own personal rankings on like who we think did the best job, uh, the score, like how, you know, so-and-so did it a little bit differently or how so-and-so went like way out of the I, box. To I actually thought about making, Wars. I thought about making the discussion for this episode about music, right. but I, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, we should really go for it where we can maybe play a couple of like small samples or like just to do more research and, you know, that sort of mm. stuff. I think that I didn't want to like half ass uh, discussion on that. Yeah, it's rare that we really I mean, we've done a couple interviews, but it's rare that we've really gotten into like a deep dive on the music there. Like I when I think of us talking about music, I go way back to when we did a Star Wars war. Rogue One versus uh, Last Jedi. Yep. And uh, that was a long time ago, but I, st I still think about it as like everybody said I lost that. And I'm like looking back at it now and I'm like, I feel like I won. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like Michael Giacchino and Rogue One has stood the test of time over the Last Jedi score. We've, um, now that I think about it, when you talk about music, we've interviewed John Powell. We've interviewed oh, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Kiner. Kiner. 
Natalie Holt. Uh, Natalie Holt. Yeah, was, we're on and the same page. And one step Ryan behind Shore, you, Ryan Shore. Yes, uh, who did Galaxy of Adventures? Um, I think that's it for composers, but not bad, not bad. Um, yeah, I feel like there might even be others, but yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, I'd love to talk music sometime, uh, but we have more. Uh, questions to get to, including another one from one of our patrons. This one coming from one of our commanders, Joey Sack. What up, Joey? Joey, thank you for sending in the question. Again, you made it on the show today, too. Very cool. Um, Joey asks this question, will there be Night Sisters in season four of The Mandalorian or season one of Skeleton Crew? So we saw some Night Sister activity in Ahsoka season one. And now the doors are open. Uh, are we going to see any more Night Sisters in either one of these two shows Joey mentions? This, I think, yes, I, I do. Because it looks like Thrawn was taking them all with him, including whatever was in those coffins or whatever that was. So if Thrawn is our main villain and he's flanked by these sorcerers who are helping him achieve what he's needing to achieve i and all these other shows are supposed to tie into that that means throne's going to be all of their all these other shows main villain in the end leading to that movie so i think so i think there's a better chance that at least one of these has that woven in than not so i'm gonna say yes joey um i also am gonna say yes oh <laughs> I feel like Mandal or Ahsoka season one really tied in that Thrawn is utilizing some of this ability or this, some of this magic um, and has now sort of come up with ways uh, or deals, I should say. It seems like he's made a couple deals with the mothers and it seems like he understands that there is this power that he could utilize that's sort of um, opposite what the Jedi were able to do. The Jedi are no more, but the Force still exists, and he doesn't quite understand it, but if he could get some people on his side that know how to utilize it, and these are the people that are willing to utilize it to the degree that he wants to accomplish, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. bad things. Um, yeah. So I I think that the Night Sisters are... Uh, sort of an underappreciated they're bringing what Dave Filoni is bringing what he worked on with George to live action. We don't think about it that often. We're like, Oh, Thrawn. Yeah. You know, that's great. Or all rebels. That's awesome. But it's like these, this world and all this that was, you know, developed by George Lucas and was really brought together um, in the clone wars with Dave and George working together the Night Sisters is something that hasn't totally happened in live action yet. And here Dave is saying, Oh, we're getting into the Dathomirian world. It's going to happen. And, uh, and it's sort of being, uh, underlooked at because rebels is so in your face. They're bringing animation to live action rebels. Yeah. But it's it like, makes it. This is clone wars, buddy. You know, this is the, this is that story. Makes you think what they would have, like will we have seen Night Sisters in a solo follow up because Maul tells Kira to come to me on Dathomir? You know. Oh my gosh. Well, what you could see right now is you could see Thrawn go and see the remnants of Crimson, Crimson Dawn. Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. And what Maul had set up at this time, he's been long dead for a few years now. Yep. But uh, Dathomir still could have uh, these structures of what Maul was building there. It would be kind of funny to hear Thrawn like make a comment about the failures of Crimson Dawn or something just very quickly. Be like, oh, yes, Crimson Dawn. They, you know. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Cool. Thanks, Joey. Last, last question for Will of the Force. Thank you, Joey. Um, will Star Wars ever have another movie be nominated for Best Pictures at the Oscars? Last time was 1978 when Star Wars was nominated for Best Pictures, but it lost. I am going to say no to this. And I think that the answer mostly comes from the fact that these aren't good movies, but they're not movies that the Academy votes 
into Best Picture. They are good movies. You said they aren't good movies. Oh, I'm saying it's not that they aren't good movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. If I said um, that wrong, that's what I meant. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that we in recent years have gotten a couple of movies that are um, more uh, widely accepted as like a fun blockbuster movie. Um, you know, uh, like Black Panther was one, for instance, and that's like a Marvel movie that got nominated. And it's like, there have been a handful of these, but I just don't see Star Wars, you know, breaking any boundaries or doing anything that's so moving and notable in moving forward uh, the industry and the, the the art of film so much that all of the Academy agrees this is an achievement in filmmaking. You know what I mean? They don't look at numbers or box office or anything like that. A Star Wars movie would have to be something so phenomenal that the whole world just sort of like, or the whole country just sort of gets behind it. And I don't see that happening to that level. I see them always being fun, family-friendly, action-adventure movies. What do you think? Yeah, I think the Mangled movie is going to be nominated for Best Picture. Do you? No, I don't know. I haven't, we know nothing about it really, but right, but yeah, you. I mean, it's a good yeah. I I was going to bring up the Black Panther thing as sort of that was sort of the catalyst to this this question, because you know Marvel and Star Wars do run in parallel lines in certain respects in terms of the type of uh, blockbusters they are. Um, but then you think about like Lord of the Rings winning Best Picture, and that's right up Star Wars alley. Um, I know there's also the seemingly permanent um, demerit or blacklist, for lack of a better term, to anything that came from George Lucas because how anti-union he was. Uh, he he left the Directors Guild. He didn't like Hollywood. Uh, I, I think they have a harder time separating him, even though he's not a part of it anymore. Right like the Academy is political, just like anything else. And if you don't play ball, why would they want to give you one of their awards? So I think for that reason, more than anything, Star Wars won't get another nomination. I almost say the opposite because of that point, that that at this point, the Academy would be like, be able to be swooned by Disney. And, and, and the argument would be like, stick it to George mm. by by giving um, Star Wars a nomination after he's left. Yeah, I yeah, <clears throat> I, I don't think so. I, I don't. Um, I think especially we see what's going on with all the strikes and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I think if the, it could, it could. But I'm, if it's will the force, I'm saying no. I, I just I don't think so. But I that doesn't mean I don't believe that they can make a movie that is as good as something like Top Gun Maverick, you know, was nominated for Best Picture. Probably mm-hmm. five years ago, that's blowing people's minds that a movie like that would be nominated for Best Picture. So the Oscars are that's shifting to, to try to um, attract more people because you can't just, like, you can't nominate the piano like eight times on a, uh, on a Best Picture for the Oscars. So uh, I'm going to say no, though, unfortunately. But I still believe that Star Wars is the best. Um, yeah, I was trying to pull up the, the other, the movies that were last year, just to see if there's anything comparable. And the first thing that pulled up was the Will Smith thing. And I'm like, we haven't had one since (laughs) we haven't added a, an Academy award since the Will Smith situation. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next year, but, uh, definitely no star Wars movies because we're not getting another one until at least 2026 at this point, which is why we're going to take this time to just move on to our next section which is our discussion. Discussion. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. All right. So our discussion this week is the importance of mystery in Star Wars. Now, when Star Wars first burst onto the scene, we learned about all sorts of new things and met new beings. The Force, Yoda, lightsabers, the Emperor, the list goes on. 
all came without complex explanations or backstories, maybe some small bits, but we didn't really understand what everything was totally. And we embraced it all regardless. The emperor showed up. We were like, okay, he's the emperor. Cool. Uh, is the mystery part of the allure of Star Wars? Not knowing why things are or where they came from. Are some things in Star Wars being explained too much? Uh, so let's talk about the importance of mystery in Star Wars, James. Um, I definitely started the thought on this based on the Yoda stuff. Because I saw a tweet about people saying that Yoda has become like a big part of the High Republic. And you know me, I've been talking on this podcast forever that they're using Yoda too much. And that George, one of George Lucas's tenants was that he uh, always wanted to keep like Yoda's origin a mystery, which they still have because the High Republic only goes back, you know, 200 years or whatever it is. Uh, and he's uh, 900 years old by the time he dies. But so, but that's what like started the thought. And the Emperor too, like we were saying, like he was mentioned in A New Hope. We see him via a hologram video chat with Darth Vader in Empire. And then he finally shows up in the third one. And he's just the emperor. We don't know anything more about him. And people were fine with that. And now it seems like, well, where did this all come from? Like, like it's almost like people have convinced themselves that they need the full explanation of where someone started, how they got to where they are, how they, why they're involved in the story, and so on. Uh, and it's not just people. It's ideas. The force. I feel like the force has been over explained to the point where we're not even sure anymore because it went from this this thing that creates life and flows through all living things uh and, and it helps a jedi uh with their powers and that's pretty essentially the gist of it and then it becomes the scientific thing by the same person george lucas saying like well if you have these amount of microbes in your blood you can be a powerful jedi and now it's Everyone can use the force. You just have to be a diligent student and you can become a good Jedi. So they, they've just like, they've explained the force a little too much for my take. I, I, I personally like the idea of not knowing everything and letting my imagination come up with it or let a kid's imagination come up with it. And I like the idea of the force being this mystical thing I'm not sure about. I like not knowing where Yoda came from. I love that stuff because it just adds to the allure of the story. And, and I like the use of my imagination versus like Palpatine started here and he went here and this, this, this. And yeah, do I want a, a how Palpatine uh, became evil and took over uh, from Darth Plagueis? Sure. But it doesn't mean I need to know every detail about his life. Um, so, and I'm not saying they don't have to do this. I like, it's going to be a case by case basis, but I just like the idea that you can have things that aren't always fully fleshed out and they just show up in the story and there they are. What do you think? I mean, I think that's definitely a part of any storytelling. I think, first of all, I wanted to comment on the force thing. I actually don't know that the force has been over explained because in my mind, I don't, think they've ever said anything that's made me change my opinion on the force. Every time they explain it, I go, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I know we've had a little bit of this sort of talk around the Ahsoka, like anybody can do it thing, but I don't think I've ever really, I don't think I ever really felt that way that it was only given to special to certain people or anything like that. I think I've always sort of felt that if you, become aware of it, you could sort of tap into it. I, I never came to this total conclusion, like the midi-chlorine things, like that was a for sure thing that like you were this or that. I just felt like it was always sort of like a <clears throat> example. Um, like a way of detecting that this person has a natural ability, but it doesn't mean they can or can't use it, you know? Mm -hmm. But it, But regardless... Um, I think that part of the problem with Star Wars is people like us because <laughs> we, we read and we learn about everything 
and then we speculate about about it. And it's not that that stuff wasn't going on years ago because people were speculating for sure. But there wasn't as much material. So that goes to your argument. But for me, um, I think one of the reasons that it gets tough nowadays is because people are speculating. It makes it easier to sort of come up with what we think things are. And then we have the ability to say it publicly And a lot of the people that are creating the stories also hear that. And especially in the case of Rise of Skywalker, there was sort of a, we want to live up to those expectations that the fans have set. And we want to give them answers. We, you know, we, we said, uh, episode seven, lots of mystery in episode seven. In fact, to this day, some people are upset because they didn't get the answers to episode seven. Um, off the top of my head, a, a great story for another time. You know, who's the girl? Kind of the, these things that they like. How how did Maz know this thing and that thing? You know, and we never really truly got those things because there were so many questions that were set up by the first and ultimately the second movie that they couldn't answer all of them, uh, but they knew that if they didn't answer some of those questions, people would feel yeah. unsatisfied by the, by the way that the, move, the trilogy ended. So they were a- trying to answer all those questions because of fan backlash, in my opinion. But I, I, don't think that it, I don't think that that says that Star Wars doesn't have mystery because they clearly did do that. And I feel like they've done a lot of that with some of the other movies too, the solos and the rogue ones that sort of, they can sort of live in their own world and, and uh, set up questions and introduce characters like Beckett. You know, we don't have to know everything about Beckett. We just have to be introduced to him as like a cool character. Exactly. Right. I think what hurts the mystery thing in star Wars is sometimes the need to create supplemental content and granted a lot of those things will remain a mystery to most fans. Uh, how did Darth Vader learn that Luke was his son? And like right. people know like, oh, Boba Fett told him in a comic. But it's like most people like, I, I don't know. But I, maybe and I, I guess I just don't care. And it, it's comes, like the, it they, comes down to me is like that's the, the, the comic book writers and the supplement supplemental material creators they're put in a position where they go, what would we like to do? Yeah. We'd like to create our own content. We'd like to create these other worlds or whatever. I'm sure some of them would be like, I'd love to write Darth Vader, you know, and write the story about so-and-so and how he did this. But I do think that they probably would love to be able to do that. But the problem is, is it's not going to sell any comics. If they write these stories that are just like in their own world in the Star Wars universe, people aren't going to be drawn to those comics. But if oh, they I'm not continually that. fill them up with things that are like, oh, this issue. I'm not blaming them. I know. I know. I'm, I'm explaining why I think the situation that we're in happens. Because they know that if they put out the, uh, a, a comic that answers a, a long standing fan question something that we've wondered ever since the empire strike back was released you know in 1980 um that they're gonna get coverage and that comic is gonna sell more than if they don't do that yeah they want to make money yeah 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 i mean standard model um but yeah like i mean really you can go to any example like i don't want to just rely on just characters but like you know, Job of the Hut. I'm sure there's probably some comic or something, and if there's not, good. But that explain like, well, this is where Java came from. This is why he is the way he is and stuff. It's like, no, we just roll up and there's Java. You know, in A New Hope now, of course. But I mean, Del Toro was going to tell this story. <laughs> Who? Oh, <laughs> oh Del, Del Toro. Toro. Yeah was yeah. going to well, tell that story and we were going to get the all the answers. Of, he said the rise and fall of Jabba. That doesn't necessarily mean everything though. Like, like we saw like, because of tales of the Jedi, we saw Ahsoka literally be born and it's just like, mm-hmm. 
is there is it going to get to a point where we're going to see obi-wan on stewjohn and like you know they already he already alluded to having a brother in, in the show and i'm not saying like every character needs to be shrouded in mystery i think there are some that are very important yoda is the number one for me i i don't want them to explore yoda too deeply um I already think he's been appearing too much and he's being overused to the point where it's not special. It used to feel special when Yoda would show up and now it's like every animated show, whether they're shorts or whatever, they just toss him in there. And like High Republic, he's all over that stuff. And I don't know. I It would definitely, to me, it would destroy the whole idea of Yoda if we learn what planet he came from and his parents were and how he learned the force, I, that is one thing I do absolutely do not want. And I could be wrong, but I think because George Lucas had said, like, I think Dave Filoni talked about this. Maybe other people did too, or maybe even Lucas did that. He just never came up with a backstory for Yoda. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's something that they have on the rules of George that like, we can do anything we want here except these five things. Like, I wonder if that's that was part of the the deal, um, which very well could be. You know, you could have contingencies in place for storytelling. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a case by case basis. I don't mind origin stories. I love Solo. You know, I love learning about Han and stuff like that. But I think with certain things mainly the force, mainly Yoda, like just these special things that we got to know and love without needing to understand what came before it or the hows and whys uh, is, is just really cool to me. And it makes it feel there's something about fantasy movies like this or fantasy stories in general, where mystery is such an integral component because it just goes hand in hand mystery and fantasy it's just and i don't mean like who done it mystery but i mean like what like who is this like what mm -hmm. is this why is this and i like the idea of sometimes ending my experience with these stories still asking those questions while feeling like the story gave me everything i needed exposition climax resolution conflict of course uh but st i still have questions I think that's like the perfect way to tell a fantasy story to me. Like I don't need every little thing ironed out and fully explained. I'm not saying Star Wars does that. The purpose of this was like why mystery works and why it's important for Star Wars. And I don't think there's any rule. I think each person to each their own. I'm just speaking for me. So if there's people out there who are like, oh man, John, you're crazy. I want to see the Yoda origin story. I respect mm -hmm. that totally, man. Uh, I, you know, I, my opinions are just mine. I'm not here to say you should think the way I think. Um, and we've already sort of disagreed on the force, you and I. Mm -hmm. So there's nuance to it. But in my personal opinion, I like that not everything has that explanation. I like that the mystery goes hand in hand with the fantastical elements of Star Wars. You know, and another thing too, like the force is kind of a tough example because in the three times that we feel that we kind of utilize or you are using right now to sort of say how it was shift shifted. These were all like live action, you know, pieces that they were doing that in for the yeah. most part, a lot of this backstory and explaining and, and all this stuff, it happens in the books. It books. happens in the yeah. comics. And that's something that you can more readily choose to pick up or not. And they can almost do that with the, with the idea of like, do we want to explain this? And they're like, not like, maybe not to like everybody. Like we probably wouldn't want to explain that in live action, but we could drop it in a book for the people who are interested, mm -hmm. you know, and that yeah. could be part of the review. It'd be like, Hey, have you ever wondered why X? Well, yeah. find out in Y, you know, yeah. in this book. Um, and, and, you know, that, and then it would just target its specific audience for the people who were interested in that character or that time period or those, that gang or whatever. Um, did you ever want to know more about the, uh, spice runners of Kajimi? Well, there's this book called right. Poe Dameron or Freefall, you know? Um, and, 
we'll give you the backstory if you want to know, but you don't have to know. Right. Um, Why, why, why it's important to, to star Wars, you know, you touched on something that kind of inspired me a little bit, or it got me excited. I should say not inspired me to do something, but like, why haven't we gotten a star Wars mystery, a a legitimate, like, isn't the acolyte going to be that they said, I think they did say something about Agatha Christie. Yeah. I I definitely think that that could be something that's missing where like we're it's a Star Wars world and we're on this adventure but by the end of every episode or at every turn we're going like what? Hold yeah. on. And that's new information, you know? I think, I think they um, said it's going to be like a detective story where it's this Jedi and his former Padawan and I could see it being a thing where something's happening on the dark side related thing. And they're trying to find out who or what it is. And they, yeah. Cause they're, she said, she and it turns out that it's like the good guy who was helping them the whole time, you know, yeah, or it could be a very cat and mouse thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for Acolyte, but yeah, go on. I see what you're saying. No, I, I, and I think that, um, I think that star Wars has always done a, a, a really good job at giving us that, that lived in world. I feel like more than any other franchise, they sort of coined that term from the very beginning, uh, and created that concept. Um, not that it didn't exist, but I feel like George was very, um, forthcoming about how the ships had to be beat up because when you looked at them, you had to be like, well, man, that thing looks like it's been in a hundred battles before, you know? Um, where has that thing been? What's that guy been doing? Why does it, what, what are all those badges, you know? And they don't acknowledge that stuff. Um, Han has a lot of lines, uh, where he's talking about, you know, this bounty hunter, or I've got these debts to pay or whatever. And it sets up the character as someone who has a backstory, but we're not going to tell you that backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, funny I say that though because Return of the Jedi sort of does tell you that backstory for Han because he was alluding to some of that stuff and then they're like nah you know we'll show you who's been after him we'll show you Boba Fett we'll show you Jabba the Hutt and we'll show you how he gets out of all this money that he owes these people Yeah, by having our heroes save him but I think my point still stands that like I do think Star Wars does a really good job at just like walking into a casino and you're looking around and you're like who who are those people? You know, what are they doing there? Yeah. Um yeah, I I get all that. And uh, you know, Han Han's backstory was definitely peppered in throughout those movies. Obviously, it was added to for the special edition when he actually, you know, speaks to Jabba. Um, and he's like, don't send one of your little twerps. And you, we clearly right. understand that he works for him and he dropped his shipment and he owes him a lot of money. It's like, okay, we get that. Um, but then, you know, there are those things where, you know, you hear Han say like, Chewie and I broke out of places well more guarded than this. And it's like, well, we haven't right. seen that, but I like that he says that. It's like, it makes you, then it makes you think about, oh, I wonder what they did back then. You know, what, whatever they did. And then we get solo. Sure. Um, but, you know, even... Um, like Rogue One's a good example of, okay, they probably could have kept some of that just like, yeah, they got the plans and, you know, it was a dangerous mission, but they're like, no, we're going to show you this story. It's like, I get that, that, that stuff works. Um, you would have to just present it to me. I don't have a rule or anything where I'm like, it's got, if it's this, this, and this, then they got to keep it under wraps. If it's, but it's, if it's this, this, and this, give me all the info. Um, like, I I feel like like, Rogue One did a good job. I like how they knowing how they construct lightsabers. I think that's cool because I always saw them as a mechanical weapon, not some sort of entity, a born entity within it or whatever via the kyber uh, crystal. I liked seeing this. Is that's definitely something that has changed, and, and yeah. I saw them as weapons, and now I see them as something different. Right. Yeah. Right. So there are things where I'm like, I'm glad they showed us that. I think that's really cool. Um, but. I, I just think as long as they keep elements of it, when it's the new stories, whether it's when we go back 25,000 years with Mangold, we're going to learn about, you know, how the force was discovered or been able to be utilized or whatever it is, the dawn of the force or whatever. But 
I would like to think that that's going to also end, whether that's one movie or two or three or whatever, with us asking more questions. I want to leave that asking more questions and wondering more about the force than saying like, I have all, I'm Neo. They plugged it into me and I have all which, the answers Which now. one, Mangolds you're saying? Yeah. Like the, you know, the uh, discovery of the, force. of the force. Yeah, origins of the force. And then on the opposite scale, like we go forward, not necessarily with the Ray stuff, because I, I feel like the Ray movie is going to be feel new, but it's going to be the thing that's closest to the episodic films to keep that sort of line mm-hmm. going in a way. But the open canvas that they have, they can really start fresh with all new characters, all new places, all new things. Uh, and create brand new questions and brand new mysteries that maybe if they give us that, they can explain some of the older stuff a little bit and it's okay. I just think that the, the one thing, and I'm not, I'm not original in saying this, I think Yoda, I really hope they just leave him a mystery. I really do. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have a, big problem with them utilizing Yoda. The one thing about Yoda that's interesting is like, it's sort of, it's sort of a little bit George's fault (laughs) for creating the prequels and making Yoda very publicly in the top dog category. You know what I mean? It was all his fault. Yeah. I'm just saying he was up there and he put Yoda in that position. So now Subsequently, if we ever tell stories about in that time period, the question is always going to be, where's Mace Windu? Where's Yoda? Where's Keanu Mundi? Yeah. Where are the, the, the highest of the high Jedi council? Shouldn't they be asking questions? Shouldn't they be here? Um, it's kind of one of those things where um, I feel like we've seen this a lot. Like even when it comes down to um, like spinoff TV shows for other like Marvel properties, it's like, where was Iron Man? Where was Thor? Why weren't why weren't these heroes where was helping? Ahsoka? Yeah, where was Ahsoka? It because at some point it's like you can't create a character that say like, "Why well, was the strongest person in the galaxy at this time?" and then ever tell a story about somebody else in that time period because the question always comes back to, "Well, then where was that person?" Yeah. You know? Mhm. Um yeah. And that's that's sort of just an inherent problem, but I think if George really wanted to keep Yoda that big of a mystery, although to to be honest too, he was only ever planning on doing the three movies and he wasn't looking at Clone Wars and other things like that at the time. So his story is just sort of like one through six. But but I mean he did put him at like <laughs> He's the president, you know what I mean? Like he's like top dog number one. So anytime you ever tell a story in the area, you got to think the the people are going to be like, why don't we just go ask Yoda, you know, or why don't yeah. we see what what the council has to say? And Yoda is always going to be a part of it. And you're going to see more and more and more scenes of him. And I think this is something that Freddie Prince Jr. is sort of trying to preserve when he says like, I really don't want to see more Kanan. Stop showing him because the more you show him, the more – like we, I, I think he likes the fact that, I mean, it's a great story. Like it sucks when your character dies, but it's such a great story. But I think yeah. he likes the fact that the character's dead because now you don't have to keep telling Kanan stories. Right. You could just be like, yeah. oh, he, you know, he was, he was young and he was on the run or whatever. And he kind of kept himself, but he didn't do anything special until he met these people. And then his life had meaning. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's it. Yeah. Th- if they didn't like, they didn't have to show us um, Caleb Doom and you know show a young him in Bad Batch or anything. Like, if they just rolled up with Kanan Jarrus in episode one of Rebels, I would have been fine with all that. Um, but you know, I'm thinking about it now, and it's like he's got a book too. I don't know if you know that. Oh, does he? I didn't know that actually. Yeah. There's but, a um, yeah, it's a it's him when he first meets Hera. Oh, cool. That's cool. That came out around, uh, after rebels. Ooh. I mean, it would have had to been 2018. It didn't come out before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't remember when it was released. It was released a long time ago, but yeah, he, he like 
gets involved in a mission and then he decides that he's going to team up with Hera at the end of it and kind of lead a more prominent and life as a Jedi. But that's cool. I mean, I, I again, I'm all for it, especially if people like it. It's just my taste on it. But like also we have to take in the fact that, you know, just the the human element of George Lucas being a storyteller and the, you know, he, he had to create Yoda because he killed Obi-Wan. He's like, well, I, I, I need somebody to help guide Luke and I already killed Obi-Wan. So now I can't use him. So I came up with this frog character and it's just as simple as that, where it's like, you know, like the, the, that funny clip of, you know, we've talked about John Stewart asking George Lucas where Obi-Wan's from. And he's like, ah, and he's like, don't make it up on the spot. And then he just comes up with Stu John. And it's just like, we don't have to take this that seriously because George Lucas certainly did not. <clears throat> um, and there's people who know more about Star Wars than George Lucas does, I know, at this point. Um, so we got to keep that in mind, too. That, you know, Yoda was created because he killed, o- George Lucas killed Obi-Wan and he needed somebody to mentor Luke in the sequel. So that's why Yoda exists. And then from there, he probably didn't flush it out that much. And that's all that matters. Um, now, whether he wanted to preserve that is, is you know, uh, a debate to be had, but it certainly seems that way. And it could solely be rooted in the fact that he just didn't want to create, he didn't have a good idea and he didn't want to create that story for Yoda. If he kept going on years and years and decided he wanted to do it, so be it. But it just so happened to work out that way. And it all sort of dominoes into the next because he kills Obi-Wan in, in A New Hope. He's like, oh, crap, I killed the mentor. He's not a Jedi yet. What do I do? I'm going to come up with this frog character and see if Frank right. can you know, do this with Jim Henson. And make and it. we glorify that stuff because we're looking at it years later. And As a grand plan. It means so yeah. much, yeah, to us. But I mean, to, I mean, let's be a little bit honest. Maybe it's not as good. I don't know, whatever. But it's like, a lot of that stuff is still happening in Star Wars, especially when you look at like the sequel trilogy. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll give you Captain Phasma and Snoke and stuff. And it's like, oh, well, let's do different stuff with those. Kids. And then the, it's like, oh, well, now what are we going to do? Like we killed off those characters or we did things with them that we didn't expect. And um, now we sort of have to pivot and sort of create new characters see, or new answers to the Snoke. questions. <clears throat> I, I would much rather have had Snoke not be explained and all we learned was that he was somebody who was manipulated by palpatine to stand in that spot guarantee him all the riches he wants until palpatine was able to come back i don't and this goes back to my very first point i think that lucasfilm sort of made the mistake of trying to answer the fan questions yeah i think you're right they didn't explain snoke and if we if we do episode nine and we don't tell people where snoke came from they're gonna be mad <laughs> exactly i think that i 100 percent agree with that i didn't like the idea and i like rise of skywalker i did not like the idea that uh snoke ended up being a failed strand cast of a clone of palpatine and there was a jar of snokes and all that nonsense i uh, there's they could have just went the mystery route and been like it was jarring yeah oh well done <laughs> Yeah. P.S. I <laughs> sent you. I sent you the link to Star Wars: A New Dawn, which when was released title in September yeah. of 2014. Oh, so I get to season one. Yeah, I, I should. I should actually look up when Rebels came out. But yeah, it would have been that because I think like Force Awakens, the Rebel season two was right October third, 2014. The premiere date of Star Wars Rebels. Okay. So basically the same time. The book came out and then a month later Rebels came out. Yeah. So it was an introduction to the character. That's cool. I like that. Actually, um, then it sh- wow, hold on. Let me <laughs> I hate to do this. If I click on Kanan, will it take me will it say his first appearance was this book? I mean it should. You would think it would. Um they don't mess around over there, Wikipedia. Yeah, but. he's got so much stuff. I'm having a hard time getting to that section. But yeah, we can move on. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the essence of the conversation. Um, you know, we could go through every example uh, until we're blue in the face, like Thrawn, but we won't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I rest on the fact that 
you know, I obviously don't hate that we do get a lot of explanation, but I think we did a good job of explaining times where it probably wasn't necessary. It could have been reactionary. It could have just been for the sake of making more content that had a recognizable name on it. Um, or it's just one of those things where they have so much that to, to put out that they feel just obligated to tell those stories or people make a pitch and Kathleen Kennedy's like, love it. Let's do it. Let's tell the Phasma origin story in a book. Go for it. EK Johnston. Um, but at the same time, I think there are things, especially with this type of franchise, um, particularly fantasy stories like that, just that whole thing. I like, step to a franchise I don't like very much, like Lord of the Rings, like Gollum. Like, I would have been totally fine if Gollum just rolled up and he's, like, obsessed with this ring and I don't know why and I don't know where he came from or what he was before or anything. I would have been like, that would have been scarier to me and more interesting. Um, So, but at the same time, I like what they do when they do uh, execute this stuff sometimes. So, wait, but that is what happened. No, they don't. They explain that he was like a regular guy, and he got corrupted by his obsession with the ring. Like he looked in the movies anyway. They show him looking like Andy Serkis. He was like a regular dude. Yeah, they looked, do that at the beginning of the third movie. They show that scene. He gets all gnarly because of his obsession with the right. The ring. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But do and I don't know saying? what they do in the book or not, but like, like, like why was everybody okay in the original trilogy with this guy just being called the emperor and no one was like screaming about it. But then to your point about Snoke, it's like people are like, well, who is he? You know, who is this guy? Where'd he come from? Out of nowhere, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, I feel the need for things to be completely ironed out and fleshed out and explained has gotten too far. I like the idea of leaving me, my final point to reiterate, I like the idea of you leaving me wondering, maybe still asking new questions or continuing to ask an old question while still completing a story for me and making me feel the, satisfied. That's what I want. That's my, for me. For me. Yeah. My takeaway from this conversation is there is definitely a way to, to look at this as a, are you a half glass full or a half glass empty kind of a person because I think that the ultimate takeaway for people is do you want do, do you want to get the answers to your questions or are you okay with having the mystery and I think that a lot of people are actually people that say, I want the answers to the questions. Yeah, I agree. But then most of those people are unsatisfied with the answers that they get. Oh, that's always the case. The, 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 the expectation thing is what uh, is just so brutal in fandom sometimes. Um, so, so the, to, to, to put this in a weird situation, this is like one of these doors has the grand prize and one of them has a basic prize. Do you want door A or door B? And no matter which one they pick, um, they're going to be disappointed <laughs> that they didn't get the other door. Oh, yeah. You know, or like, whatever. Like episode nine had the burden of ending this 40 year story. And if in a vacuum, objectively, it, if it was the greatest movie ever made, it still would have pissed off a great chunk of people because it didn't end how they thought it should end. Whether that's Luke Skywalker and Leia alive and hugging and just like Return of the Jedi or whatever they were thinking, Ben Solo living, you know, whether it's classic characters, new characters, uh, you know, Han Solo not dying, I don't know. We talked about it once before, like how great would it have been in the alternate universe where George Lucas sells it to Disney but stays on as a producer Mm -hmm. And, and everybody was like, cool. Like whether George had, was willing to bend his ideas to make them a little more Disney or Disney was like, yo, we love this stuff. Let's go for it. You know, whatever it was, if the collaboration was there and we could have seen from the very beginning that 
George wasn't going to be able to make these movies, but they were going to be the story that he wants. And he was doing, he was on the promotional circuit. Oh, it's exactly what, you know, what, what I wanted to do back in 77 when I wrote the story, right? Yeah, it was in nine right. parts. And, and the whole point is that, you know, this is all leading up to the return of an ancient evil that, you know, or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> I, if if George pitched the idea, and this also goes back to another conversation where it was like, how great would the sequel trilogy have been if they would have been seeding Palpatine to the whole thing? If we would have known Palpatine was still alive in Force Awakens, then it would have changed our opinions of The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, even if they were the exact same movie somehow. <laughs> If we yeah. just knew where it was going, and we'd be like, "Well, oh, this Snow the- guy's crazy, but he's not even the the real boss because we they, know Palpatine's still out there." And they could have done it too because you remember the concept <clears throat> art for TFA. It was you know, Ray swimming underwater to the Death Star ruins or whatever it was, and um, in the novel for TFA, right, the voice, that evil voice that speaks to her. Like, then you could really sell the granddaughter thing because he's like, oh, he's speaking to her, not him. Yeah. Um, there's definitely, if they ever did a special, <laughs> a special edition, edition and just fix the- I want the sequel or the prequel special editions. Let's oh, go. Oh, we talked about that. Upgrade the effects a little bit. They'll never <laughs> yeah. do that because that, those are George's movies. They'll never I know, do but, but, but sell it, sell both. Keep the same ones, yeah. but also upgrade them. Make them both available. And then pe- the, the the backlash you'll get for those. To, the ironically, trilogy, to people, people who probably hated the prequel trilogy originally, yeah. But if they made like a, a special edition of the sequel trilogy and just added or tweaked a couple of things, uh, I think we'd be on to something. But anyway, I, I know we we really looped around this a lot and went down some, some tunnels and tangents and rabbit holes, but... Um, yeah. it's definitely, it's, it's, it's a very nuanced and often at times an intangible discussion to have when you're talking about the idea of mystery, because the whole idea of mystery is it's, it's nothingness and it's, it's wonderment. So I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, James. Hope nope. You this one stunk. This is a bad right. episode. Skip this one, everyone. Let's not put this out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we do want everyone to know that on Wednesday, we are going to be leaving the base and we're going to be going to the children of the watch podcast. Uh, we're going to be hanging out with Alex and Mac over there. If you don't know children of the watch, give them a follow. Uh, great guys. They do a great show. Um, and we're going to go over there Wednesday, all three of us, Lacey will be with us and we're going to do, uh, elevator pitches for star Wars, uh, series. Is it series and movies or just series? I forget, but, I don't, anyway, I, I got the impression that it was series. Yeah, we're all coming up with our ideas that we think would be a great Star Wars series. Um, so check us out over there with them on Wednesday. And uh, we'll, of course, be back with you uh, on Thursday with TRB Live. So a lot of us this week. And thanks to our buddies at uh, Children of the Watch for uh, inviting us on. We look forward to it. Um, mm-hmm. All right, James, anything else uh, on this topic or anything else before we get out of here? Mm. you know what i'm not gonna answer that question you know what i mean leave it a leave it a mystery oh i like that for some reason i like that i don't know why i do i just (laughs) like that um all right so james you're at myra trunks everybody knows that on social media correct uh i'm at johnny hoey um a movie podcast just like the movies um tomorrow should be putting on our episode of manhunter which is like the first of the hannibal Lecter stuff uh before anthony uh Hopkins got in the mix. Uh, Lacey at Lacey Gillerin, of course. Uh, hit her up on all the social medias. Uh, she's on TikTok too at it's Lacey Gillerin, but I don't know if she posts there a lot right now. Um, and a big thank you to everyone who just listens and watches and is a part of what we do here. Uh, a big shout out to all of you and a specific shout out to our generals and spice runners on Patreon. Keep the light on in the base, keep us going, allow us to do a lot of crazy things. Uh, so thank you to our generals, Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater. Oh, by the way, happy wedding to John Reese. Happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Grande, Nick Kratz, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny Micromori, Matt Heath, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sneaky Zebra, Aaron Ellington, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi DiMaggio, Diana, 
and Dave Hornack. And our Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian. Uh, thank you all. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, James, good chat. I'm sure we'll talk more about mystery as we uh, learn more about the Acolyte because that should be right up that alley uh, in terms of being an actual mystery story. But uh, we hope everyone has a happy Halloween tomorrow. Uh, Behave yourselves tonight on Devil's Night, or as James calls it, Beggar's Night, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And we'll see you all next time right here on the Resistance Broadcast. So until then, we'll see you around, kids.